Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. We got to come to a place where we love each other right where each other are at. And that was good for me. You know, the Lord smacked me up and rebuked me for it. And, and I worked on that. I'm working on that still, you know. But that's what he would want. That, that way a body of believers with all these different kind of people can come together and it could be genuine love. It could be sweet. Because we're just loving each other. We're looking at each other, recognizing that this is somebody for whom Christ died. And everything about them, he loves, you know. And the areas where they got to grow, God's working on them. But he loves them. And if he loves them, then I need to love them too. Amen. In today's message, Pastor Bill encourages us to love others the way Christ loves them. What does this look like? Jesus loves people enough that he left heaven and died on the cross for our sins so we can be reunited with God for eternity. He cares for all his children equally, even those who don't know him or haven't acknowledged him. He waits eagerly for them to choose him and accepts them the moment they turn and repent. He forgives all sins and further forgets all sins. Do you love like that? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 8 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. And then when you fail, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to make sure I don't do that again by putting up this wall. And then I put up a wall here. Boom. That that eventually, you know, you fail in something else. Boom. I put Before I look around, I got walls all around me. And I guess if I just stay still like this, I won't sin. You know, (laughs) then I start thinking bad thoughts, you know, so... You know, that's what you do when you first get saved, having grown in the knowledge of the grace of God, which really will set you free. Um, and so there was a period in my life where to keep me from doing things. I, I remember when I first you know, got with my wife, I was like, I can't go to the movies. And, you know, some of you guys are why not? It'd be, I'd be embarrassed to tell you why not. But my mind was bad. I don't need to be at the movies. I don't need I don't need to see stuff. I need to, I just need to go to church. We need to go to church. We'll go to church together. Um, now I've grown. I can go enjoy a movie now. Everything's all right. But for me, honestly, when I first got saved, that was an issue. I, I went to a movie. I went to, I went to, um, it was Saber Private Ryan came out after I got saved. War movie. No, no freaky stuff. You know, just a war movie. This is what happened. I kid you not. This is when I said I can't do it. I went to the movie. I enjoyed it. It was a good war movie, but it was intense. It was like, whoa, this war and all this action. And I remember as I walked out the movie, now I'm saved for a little bit. I'm doing pretty good in my walk with the Lord. But as I walk out, it's like a group of people coming in. And I just felt like I wanted to do some aggressive stuff, you know. So I'm staring at the guy and I'm looking at the guy. I don't know. And I'm thinking afterwards, I'm like, why did I do that for? Like, where did that come from? And I realized that that movie had stirred me up. And I was like, I'm walking out to the I want to go to war. Who's going to fight, you know? But I'm saved, you know, so... That was me, you know, I, so I put it, I said, no movies, you know, no cable, no movie channels. I'm too much of a sinner. I can't handle it. I'm going to sin. And, um, and so for some people, that's why they're, they're, they're weaker believers. They just, they, they just got saved. And so they got to, they're doing what they can do to kind of, you know, keep themselves restricted. And, and that's okay. You know, there's a period in time where people need to grow in the grace and knowledge of God. And we walk them through that. So um, that's one case. Um, another case, and this is the one that I think is most disheartening. Some people are weaker believers because they won't grow, won't study the Bible, won't be disciplined to have a devotional life, won't come to Bible study, won't have regular attendance, won't change fellowship with wrong friends, uh, fellowship with believing friends. And so they stay stuck in a backward state, even though they look like they move forward. They just stay stuck, weak, stay in a weak spot, weak because they're unwilling to grow. They won't grow. They won't do the things that are necessary to move forward. 
And the, the last group, uh, which is like the first, someone that's walked for a while, uh, is just afraid to fail. I'm afraid to, so there be, I know believers that are, they've been walking for a while and, and they look at everything around them and they're so afraid of becoming like this. They become legalists. I don't want to be like that. And I don't want to be like that. And so they start shaping a whole, you know, like they, they create a Christian, a Christian bubble where it's like, oh, we're just going to be over here it's, and we'll isolate from everything else so that we don't become like anything else. Well, I've learned this. And um, I remember when I, I would counsel guys with regard to uh, pornography and things of that nature, um, which is an issue. And there be I remember I met with a guy and he was like, you know, I put a uh, I put a block on my computer and I, I put a thing on my thing and I put this block on there. And I said, man, uh, this is what I've learned. Right. You will never really have victory like that. Right. Trying to stop the opportunity to do it. You, when you have to have victory, um, I believe you have to have the opportunity to do it and choosing not to. And since there's always really, truly the opportunity anyway, then the only true victory you're going to have is when the opportunity is there. If the only reason I don't drink is so I'm in a jail cell and I can't drink, <laughs> I really can't celebrate my victory over alcohol yet. You know, it's once I get back out in the world and I drive by the bar, and I drive by the liquor store and I went over here. It's, it's when then choosing to obey Christ rather than my flesh I have now I'm having victory now now there's victory that's being enjoyed but again um, some people they end up becoming weaker but just trying to shield off everything and what we'll find ultimately is that true spiritual maturity brings us into true liberty in our walk with the Lord but we're all in different places and so as a believers as a body of believers we're all growing in this room there can, everybody can't be in the same place there are definitely new believers. There are definitely, I know believers that have come out of things that are like cults. And so they have all these extra restrictions that they've been used to because they were in something that's like a cult. And you're undoing some of those things. And there are things that seem too free and too loose and what's worldly and what's not. And, uh, and people are figuring it out as they grow in the knowledge and the grace of God. So we're all kind of growing together. So, so Paul deals with here the heart of the Corinthians. How do we live together in love? Right. How do you believers that know that the idol's nothing and y'all can eat that meat? And there ain't no big deal. How do you walk in love toward the believer that's really kind of stumbled? Their, their conscience is really bothered by the fact that that meat was offered up to an idol. Um, what should our attitude be towards them? And that's what he's getting to. So, again, verse verse seven, he said, however, there is not in everyone that knowledge for some with conscience of the idol until now. Eat, eat it as a thing offered to an idol. And their conscience being weak is defiled. But food does not commend us to God. Neither if we eat it, are we the better? Nor if we do not eat it, are we the worse? But beware least somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. And so the first warning there, he says, be, be careful that your liberty is not become a stumbling block to somebody else this week that you just don't care. That you're just the kind of person that says, well, I'm going to do, do me. I'm going to do my, I, I hate to hear Christians. I know that's in the world. That's what people like to say. I'm just going to do me. And you know what that means? I'm just about to be real selfish and do what I want to do. I'm going to do what makes me happy. Y'all know that's not Christian, right? Jesus ain't never just do it. If Jesus just did him, he wouldn't have went on the cross. And we'll all be going to hell. So, you know, if that's in your vocabulary, you need to take it out. So. One, the write this verse down. Write down Romans fourteen twenty three, and it says, "I'm um, speaking of the, the the person that's struggling with the the idea of the meat." 
It says, he who doubts is condemned if he eats. He who does not eat, he because he does not eat from faith. And it says, for whatever is not a faith is sin. So for the person that is struggling over it, even though it's not real, because their conscience is bothered and they can't do it from a place of faith, for them it would be sin to do it. So that's that's an interesting thing. So for the, for the believer that says, man, I'm I'm really my conscience is bothered. If they violate their conscience for them, they're sinning. Anything that's not a faith is sin. So I never want to try to, you know, I will explain things to people to hopefully set them free. But I won't try to push someone beyond their conscience and have them violate their own conscience. You know why? Because once someone starts living a life where they violate their conscience towards God, they might start doing it in this little area that I don't think is a big deal, but it might move one into other areas. I'd rather you go ahead and grow in the knowledge of God. Grow it. Wait until you grow to a place where your conscience is not bothered than to kick you out right there and say, you just do it anyway. Because then with the, with the next time my conscience bothers me and I do it anyway, it'd be something else. It'd be something worse. Um, and as I look back on my life as a new believer, you know, uh, if my wife had a push for me, some of the areas where I was like, I can't do that and I can't do that. And I, and I had to put, oh, you had all kinds of rules and restrictions. I, I told her, you can't hug me in the front. When I come over again, I come over, you got to hug me on the side like we buddies till we get married because that's it was an issue for me. I, we, you know, I, I don't hug in the front, you know, and we made it. We made it to the altar without fornicating. So but that we wasn't going to make it if she kept hugging me in the front. So we stopped that. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> when when Paul hears again, speaking to those that are weak, um, He's not he's wanting them to not be he's wanting the stronger believer to not stumble the younger believer that we be concerned that we care for how others are doing and not have a heart that says so what you know I'm gonna just do what I want to do and so the food it doesn't commend them it doesn't really matter verse 9 says but beware least somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those that are weak and I would just challenge all of us here especially those that are maybe more mature and further along that we would when we're when we're dealing with a newer believer or someone that's in a weaker place as a believer that there be a, a gentleness because um, most of us didn't start off where we are either. You know, um, I've grown. I've been walking with the Lord now for over 20 years. I've grown to be where I'm at. So when I meet somebody just getting going, I can't become frustrated or, you know, well, how come you don't get it? You take you back 15 years. You wasn't getting it either. You know. Um, that we be gracious and that we bear with those that are weak. You know, we'll walk with you through that. If, if that's going to bother you, if you come to my house and bacon bothers you, and what, what, what do you like? We'll have some turkey then. You know, meat at all? We'll have a, a jam and salad. You know, avocado okay? You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, that's just as a believer, that's how we should be. You know, it shouldn't even be a big deal. If somebody, hey, we don't do this or we don't prefer that or we don't like that's, Well, So what? We just, well, I care about you. I'm looking forward to fellowshipping with you. Forget this food. Um, and that's really what Paul is trying to convey, that we wouldn't become these kind of believers that I'm insisting on my liberty. I'm insisting that you see it my way, that you hurry up and grow up to where I'm at. But that I look down and say, you know what, if that's where you're at right now, I'm cool. with. I'm, I'm going to love you from right there. And so because there was issue within the, the, the Corinthian believers on this sort of issue. And even though our issue won't be meat and things like that, there'll be other things within the body of Christ that people see different things on. And so it could come, it could be things of entertainment. It could be things of music. Um, it could be a lot of different things where, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to be dealing with somebody and I understand that this will stumble you, then I just need to not do it. You know, uh, for you guys that know me well, you guys know that my, my, I, I play around a lot. That's kind of, that's just my personality. That's how I've always been. 
Um, one thing I had to grow up in as a believer that when I was not a believer, I just I played around because it was fun for me. Um, now, other people might get a kick out of it, too, but it was I am just for my enjoyment. I'm getting a laugh. Um, as I got saved, I realized that there would be times where while it was comical to me, somebody else feelings was hurt or somebody else. They didn't you know, they didn't take it as well. And when I wasn't saved, that didn't matter. I don't care if you're you know, looking funny in the face. I mean, this, this is funny. I'm going to finish up. You know, I get saved. And I, I remember feeling convicted about that and feeling like, man, like now. And I remember the guy that led me to the Lord. I did it to a guy we were working with. And um, and my friend that led me to Christ. It was a real gentle rebuke. But he came to me afterwards and I just cut this dude up. We were bagging and I just kept going and kept going. I did it all day long. And he came to me after work and he said, you, you think you can share Christ with him now? And I was like. Nah, nah, not me. You go. He, he gonna have to hear it from you. And that was the first. That was the first time when the Lord was like, "Well, then maybe you ought not to be doing that." And um, and I've learned to really scale that back. And I still got people that I play with. You know, it's mutual. Um, but I, it's, it's not like a, I don't do like I used to do. You know, it's just one of those things that it was kind of my liberty. There are areas where we have to just be sensitive to other people, and that's part of the heart of God. You know, so. I was thinking for us, what are the areas of, of liberty and stumbling within our culture that people have a hard time with? And there in some in some areas, it may be food. I know there there are people that are that are really strict about their dietary things and whatnot. Um, I mean, if we're dealing with people that have those sort of things and they're believers, uh, we acquiesce. You know, if that's what you feel like, then when we come together, that's what we're going to do. You know, we're going to go eat some good vegan stuff. Then, you know, it, that stuff can't be that big of a deal. Right. We got Christ in common. Can we fellowship over that? Um, but some of the areas where it's it's a big issue within the church and probably the one I see prevailing more now than ever is alcohol there. You know, and there's two sides of the equation. There's one side of the equation that is unbiblical. And, you know, as far as how they present it, they you know, they they would say there's a group of the church that would say it's, it's a sin to drink alcohol, period, to sin. And it just really can't say that. The Bible doesn't say that it's a sin to drink. The Bible says it's a sin to get drunk. But now there's a group over here, um, pastors and everything else. I've actually know guys. Their church does a thing called Psalms and Beers. And the, the church gathers at a pub and they have craft beers and they sing psalms. And I said, that's terrible. That's going to be that's, that's going to be bad. That's that's not going to be bad. Now, the the whole intention of this, the, the church felt like, you know, we're. We're, you know, we're dying. We're, we're smaller than we want to be and we, and we want to reach more people. And so they, they did this as a form of outreach. Um, I think it was a total failure. Um, you can't reach out by becoming more like the world. Um, cause then once you catch them, what you catch them to? You know, they said it started off okay. But, but, you know, as the night would go on, you basically had drunk people singing, singing hymns pretty much. And what's that do for the culture of the church? Um, when they leave there, you know, you got church folk getting DUIs, going home from the bar, singing songs. What's it like for the kids in those homes, you know? So things like that, where it's like, you know, you got these two sides of the thing where it's like, that's that's not that's out of control. You know, I think, you know, for me, I, I try to fall down the middle. You know, you guys, you guys here know my stance on it. Um, you know, my stance on alcohol is I don't touch it. I used to be an alcoholic, you know. The way you, you know, I say, how, how do you guarantee you don't become a crack addict? Don't smoke crack. How do you guarantee you don't become an alcoholic since it is addictive? Don't, don't drink none. 
you know, so that's my take on it, you know, but also this, when he talks about stumbling a weaker brother, I know for a fact, if I drank alcohol, I would be stumbling some weaker brothers and sisters. I know there are people looking at me. I can't imagine BJ seeing me with a beer. You know what he would want? His first beer. He'd be, I mean, he wants what I have. He wants what I am. He wants everything that I am. He wants it. And if he saw me with, you know why he wants coffee? Because he sees me with coffee. He'd be here to my, can I have coffee? You don't even need no energy. He just want to call me because I got a coffee. You imagine if it was a beer, he would just want a beer just because I have a beer. You know, that's that's what would happen. You know, I would be stumbling my weaker brother. That's my that's my son. But that's my little brother in the Lord. I'd be stumbling him because he would see me. It, there, I got so many reasons not to. And I can't think of one good reason why I should. That that's my stance on it. And um, Paul is going to say at this end of this chapter. And this is the heart. Paul says, look, if eating meat will stumble any of my brothers. He says, I'll never eat meat again. That's maturity. When a believer says, if something I would do could stumble you, I wouldn't do it because I love you that much. I care about you. I care about your heart. I care about your walk with the Lord. I care about you being okay with Jesus. And if me doing this stumble you, I'll stop. That's Christian maturity when we get to the place where we say, I know I could, but I sense that this bothers you. I'll never do that to you again if that bothers you. If that stumbles you in some way, if that hinders you in your walk with the Lord in any way, I'll never do that to you again. And I believe that's the heart. If we have that heart toward one another, we'll grow together. It'd be beautiful. We'll just grow. We'll realize that, you know, maybe I can enjoy this thing over here, but this person, hey, you know what? When I'm with you, I won't do that. There are lots of people that I just, as I get to know them, as I learn them, I realize there's certain things that I, I shouldn't do with them. Would be a blessing to them. For us married people, I'm married. Um, there are things I've learned with my wife. This wouldn't be a blessing to her. My wife loves my humor. You know, she loves watching me bag on my sister and make jokes at other things. But I, she told me when we were dating, she was, she saw me and my sister go at it one day. And she said, if you ever did that to me, I would be so upset. And I took note. I'm like, don't ever bag on the wife. Don't ever make fun of her. <laughs> never do. You know, I do pranks. You know, she's made it clear that that, that wouldn't bless her. I've never pranked my wife ever. I thought of it. I mean, I, I, there's so many ways I get, but I just won't do it, you know, because I, I got to live there. I need to be happy at home. All right. So look at verse. So the end of verse nine, one more time. Beware, least somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those that are weak. Don't let your liberty, your freedom become a stumbling block to somebody else. Amen. Verse 10. Now, for if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, Will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge, shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? And so Paul is just walking them through saying, look, you know, if, if, if they see you doing it, if your weaker brother sees you eating that meat, he's going to say, well, then I, I'm going to try it too. But his conscience is going to be messed up because he, he, he's, he's not there yet. He doesn't he believes he shouldn't do it. He says he's going to be stumbled by you. And he says, and, and because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you thus sin against your brother, the brethren and wound their weak conscience is so big. You sin against Christ. God said, when you when you when you stumble a weaker brother, you sin against Christ because he died. Christ died for him. Christ died for him to be saved, for him to grow, for him to mature. And if you are so bold in your liberty and. You know, just don't care. God says you, you, you're stumbling the one for whom Christ died. And I would challenge us just as a body of believers 
it would really help us to walk in Christ's love when we look at one another and recognize this, this is someone for whom Christ died. Christ shed his blood, Christ loves, because they're going to be different kind of people in a church, in different places, with different mindsets, with different attitudes, with different um, emotional settings and everything else. Um, I, as I'm in a body of believers, I realize there are some people that are more emotional than other people. Um, and you got to be, you have to take that into consideration. I can't, I, I made this mistake at one point in my walk and the Lord just busted me on it. You know, I, I'm, I'm not super emotional. And, um, when I would come, when I would come across men that were very emotional, it would, it would bother me. You know, I'm like, well, just, you're, you're a guy, man. Come on. Just, you know, stop being like that, you know, and, uh, <laughs> stop behaving like that, you know, like a girl, whatever, you know, and that's, that's the attitude I had. And, then I realized that, you know, I am what I am and they are what they are and they can't change that. And what the Lord showed me is that you're making yourself the standard. You're saying because they're not like you, that they need to change and become like you. You can't. God, you can't do that. That doesn't work. And I, mean, I had to repent of that. Like, God, you know what? I am how I am. They are how they are. And I need to come. I need to figure out how to love him where he's at. He's not going to be like me and I'm not going to be like him. He couldn't demand for me to become all emotional. And I can't demand for him to, to not be, you know, um, and we got to come to a place where we love each other right where each other are at. And, and that was good for me. You know, the Lord smacked me up and rebuked me for it. And, and I worked on that. I'm working on that still, you know. Um, but that's what he would want. That that way, a body of believers with all these different kind of people can come together and it could be genuine love. It could be sweet because we're just loving each other. We're looking at each other, recognizing that this is somebody for whom Christ died and everything about them. He loves. You know, and the areas where they got to grow, God's working on them, but he loves them. And if he loves them, then I need to love them, too. Amen. Last verse 13, it said, therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat. At least I make my brother stumble. Paul said, if that's going to make you stumble, I think about that. Right. Especially for you carnivores here. Think about that. That's Paul ain't lying. This is a scripture. Paul said, look, if, if eating meat will stumble you, I would never eat meat again. I want you to just hear the strength of that commitment. My commitment to love, Paul, Paul speaking, his commitment to love the body is bigger than his love for himself, for his own gratification, even his own interests and desires. Paul said, I will go, I will go without something that maybe I enjoy and something that I'm free to have. If it's going to stumble you, I'll go without that. Um, and once again, I think that's the heart of maturity in the life of the believer that I'll, I'll, I'll forego my freedoms to be a witness and to love on my brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. And so as we close this off today, um, the, the message of 1 Corinthians chapter 8, I believe, is this. That we would love others above ourselves. That knowledge alone, wouldn't, that we wouldn't just be people full of knowledge. Knowledge got to be tempered with what? Love. Right. I need to grow in my knowledge of the Lord, my knowledge of the grace of God, my knowledge of who he is, what his word says, what we should do, what we shouldn't do. And as I as I'm growing in the knowledge of God, I also need to grow in the knowledge of I need to grow in, in my love. I need to grow in both ways so that I don't become some cocky, arrogant person that knows a bunch of verses, but that my knowledge of the word be tempered with love. Um, my knowledge of the word should bring me to maturity. And as we grow in maturity, one of the evidences that we're maturing in Christ is that we'll love God supremely and we'll definitely love one another. Amen. And so if we find that we're weak in either place. God haven't made it difficult. God, how do I mature and grow? Simple. That we would take what we're learning from the word every week and do it. 
I encourage you guys to be faithful to your devotional life, your personal intimate time with Jesus. I encourage you guys as you are today to come to church and receive the word that we might continue to grow and mature. That's all we have time for today on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill has been teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. This book addresses the idea of confronting sin. Paul knew it was more important to hit the issue head on rather than skirt around it for the sake of being approved of by the majority. This is a hard thing to do when you know that tough issues will cause disruption in a church or even a breach in relationship. But what matters most, pleasing God or pleasing man? It's something to keep in mind as you continue to study this New Testament book. Can we encourage you as you strive to walk out a life of faith, even when it's unpopular? Call or send a text to 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. We'd love to meet you. Do you live in the Inglewood area? Then come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at calvaryinglewood.org. You can even find links to stream our services if you're not able to be with us in person. And you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. As we come to the end of our time with you today, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience. Would you join us in praying for others who are tuning in and may be hearing about Jesus for the first time? Pray that their hearts will be open to truth and change. Thanks for praying, and thanks for joining us on A Transforming Word.